on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We recap OU's brutal loss to West Virginia and recap some of the best games of week 11 of college football. And we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostey, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 14th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of November, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind, Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday afternoon. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. I'm tired of doing these after they lose, Ted. I know. Me too. Me too. It's not fun. It's way less fun. I miss them winning all the time. I miss it real bad. is it not fun, it's miserable, and there's nothing I hate more than than talking about a loss. (laughs) Uh, Well... Speaking of miserable, and I I don't think I've ever been as miserable at a football game as I was at that one. Right. It and was, it was bad. It it had me. And this is the first time this has happened, I think, since I lost a lot of weight. It was like the first time where I was like, dude, I really wish I was 70 pounds heavier right now. <laughs> needs, like needs that's where I was at. That's where I was at mentally. Because and and I'm sure you could tell people could tell from watching it on tv but the weather was terrible i mean it was it was awful i I think that is because it was pouring rain and like 38 or 39 degrees and then the second half the wind picked up like it was as bad as it could have been i felt like that's that's what it felt like it was terrible i don't think i've ever been that cold in my entire life it's the rare occasion where it would have been better if it was colder and snowing, right? Instead of where it was and raining, because once you get wet, it's game over. Like there's, you're never going to get warmed up. It doesn't matter what happens. It's, it was bad. That That's so funny. Cause I was talking to one of the officials and he, he like came over to me. He was like, this is awful, man. <laughs> like this is, he's like, I wish it was snow. And this is, he's like, this is as bad as it gets. And I was like, you are 100% correct. 
Correct. So, you know, the conditions played a role in the football game. Now, both teams were playing in the crappy weather. So everything was equal that way. But where do we start, man? It feels like, I mean, undoubtedly a new low point for the season and go to West Virginia and lose to a bad football team. I, what errors do do we start with special teams errors? Like I, what you, you missed two field goals. Now the first one, whatever, right? 54, 55 yards. You're kind of in no man's land there. It's fourth and nine. Uh, Now the weather was not great, but I mean, you give them a chance and Zach Smith comes up short. The second one, What'd you think, right? Fourth and two and a half-ish. Uh, Schmidt ends up hitting the upright. Say about six and a half minutes to go in the game. You never touch the ball again after it. Um, I mean, I guess if it draws in just a little quicker, right? It it goes in and you're feeling plenty good about leg. it. But yeah, 46 plenty yard, of leg. It's totally within his range. I've seen that there's a lot of controversy about that field goal, and I guess I just don't understand it. Um, it's, it's within his range. He got a good foot on it. Just didn't make it. I, I get, I, I don't know. I guess I don't, of all the things that happened in that game, I find it strange that that's where there's a lot of conversation going. I mean, just don't make the mistakes, right? Just don't make the mistakes and kick the field goal. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem all that in depth to me, but I don't know. I guess I have a, I have a, maybe a way too simplistic view of things. Yeah. I, I, I didn't mind it. And I kind of agreed with BV after the game. They'd been awful converting yeah. third and fourth downs. I mean, not bad. Awful. Yeah. Combined one of th- one of 13 on third and fourth down. So what you, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying is like, what, what do we, I don't even know really what the conversation is. You're, it's a field goal within your kicker's range. He's got plenty of leg on it. I know the weather's not great, but I mean that's part of football. We don't we don't play in domes every week. Um, you know, I I don't know. Just make the kick. I don't know what audio is coming through. I don't your either. It's a stupid. Oh my god. I'm sorry about that. It's just been that type of weekend, man. <laughs> oh, I'm. I was bringing up the box score, and ESPN likes to stay, play these stupid ass little videos everywhere on every web page. Pisses me off. And now I'm. It's a great way to start off the show. It's. It only feels right, you know. It only yeah. feels right after now. It, let's get the special team stuff out of the way before we move on to the defense. I thought once again, and it wasn't it wasn't exactly like the Kansas State situation, but it felt similar to me. It's like one of the biggest plays of the game that that a lot of people are forgetting. It's like your offense makes the big play on the scramble drill, the Mims. You go and punch it in with Eric Gray. You're up ten to nothing, and it's right right before the half. You give up a forty two yard kickoff return that sets West Virginia up around midfield. They go right down the field and score. And, you know, I know that Bowman returns the the two point, uh, you know, for the two points on whatever the hell happened on that 
PAT, but you know, that makes it 12 to six instead of you're hoping maybe you're up 10 to nothing or you get a stop there and you are up, you know, 13 to nothing or 17 to nothing. But I, I just thought that was a, that was an unfortunate swing heading into the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. And uncharacteristic, like there was big portions of this season where we've played really good on special teams. And then lately it's the same style of, of return that we had against Baylor. Can you hear that? No, not this one. Golly. Oh my God. We heard the first one though. Um, it's the same type of return that we had against Baylor, right? Right up the right side. We get kicked out. Not enough guys uh, coming across the middle, crossing face. So there's a huge alley there. And they just gash us for a 42-yard kickoff return in a low-scoring game where field position is absolutely critical. So just, you know, a, another mistake that's – I'm not going to say it's easy. Covering a kickoff is not easy, but – you know, it's it's responsibility football. You gotta you gotta know how to defend those plays. You practice it, you meet like crazy, talk through it all, walk through it, talk about it in your uh your test before the game, right before you go to the stadium, you're quizzed on it. So I you know, I don't I don't know what else you say. You just you gotta make those plays. Since the podcast is off to a riveting start so far, let's Let's talk about the defense, shall we? And I mean, after well, we you also got to talk about the the fake field goal or the fake punt, yeah, that we gave up on special teams. What was it? Fourth and a lot, and defense gets a stop. We we've got the punt return team out there. They run a fake. We got it hemmed up, and we overrun it like crazy from the inside, and they hit us on a play, and that was. That was a big, big part of the fo uh, football game. Really important. You know, it's, it's again, like everyone continues to hammer on the defense and I, and I fully understand, but anytime something good happens for the defense, we, you know, force them right back out on the field and can't capitalize on it. So that was another frustration point right there. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the defense. What'd you think? I, I mean, as as the we grade on the scale, um, I thought they did some things that, you know, I kept them right there in the football game, had had chances to to really capitalize, did some really good things, and you know, whenever it came down to crunch time and we had to have plays to win it, we couldn't make them. You know, we, we did force a three and out late. And, you know, when the game was tied, forced a three and out, got the ball back to our offense. We go down and miss a field goal. But, you know, three out of the, the last four possessions that West Virginia had, touchdown, touchdown, punt, field goal to win it. And not good enough in on, you know, that final series. I just I don't understand I don't understand a couple of things that went down, you know, the um like what's with that penalty? Can you explain that to me? Have have you heard anything else on it? No. 
There was no there was no explanation given. Yeah. Throw the interception in the end zone to get the free play, right, on the offsides, which, you know, it's undisciplined. Been talking about it pretty much the entire game during the broadcast that that's stuff that's something that they were gonna do. It's fourth and fifteen, get you on a free play. We intercept it in the end zone. And, you know, we get the penalty, but for some reason they pick it up. But, you know, here's the thing. I continue to hear everyone talk about, well, put the young guys in. Put the put the younger guys in. It's time to let the freshmen play. But guess what? True freshman, fourth and 15, jumps off sides, free play, right? Now it's fourth and 10, right? It's five free yards, two options, two chances at fourth down. That's why they don't just throw out anyone out onto the field. Well, what's the worst that could happen now is all I ever hear. So stupid. That's why they try to avoid that and play some guys with some experience. Fourth and 10, deep dig. I mean, it's a good route and it's a good throw. But we had three guys all around it. You know, you'd like the hook player. It's like a – it's we rush three with a spy and it's like four under three deep and it's just between the hook and flat player. The hook player has to turn and look at it and find that guy. It's just, I don't know. It's frustrating. I, you know, there were some guys individually that had some good moments out there. Like we like kind of the, the same continuation from what I've said before is like, there's, there's guys that have moments thought Isaiah Coe had some great moments. I thought Stutzman had some great moments. But, you know, there's also a ton of times that we're just too soft at the point of attack. We're blown off the football. We we can't get the gaps correctly uh, fit on a lot of their gap scheme stuff. It just leaves these huge creases out there. I don't know. It's it's frustrating that whenever you you finally do something well, and good, and you put yourself in a good position, you totally bail them out with really the stuff that's the easiest, right? I mean, it's just the discipline plays. And I don't know. It's just – it's uh, it's frustrating, but, you know, it's just kind of how it's going to be this year. I mean, I've, I've just come to not, not necessarily accept, but come to, to just realize that, it's it's just going to be a, a work in progress week in, week out, and it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're going to be hanging on to our ass at the end of the game, trying to make something happen. And since we're so inexperienced, we're at a massive risk for someone to do something stupid to cost us the game. And I don't want to say that the offsides cost us the game because there's a million plays – from when we kicked the thing off until that point of of guys that had opportunities to make something big happen and didn't do it. But it's just, you know, we have no margin for error at all. We talked about this very early in the season. Zero margin for error on just give them stuff, like just free play stuff. We can't beat anybody. I don't care how I don't care how far you want to go down the the college football rankings, our margin fair is so small. We can't beat anyone whenever we just hand them shit for free. And unfortunately, we've made a lot of those uh, 
hand him stuff free plays throughout the season so far. Yeah, I think, you know, after after watching it again, you know, one of the most frustrating things for me is like you you can't let Garrett Green's legs beat you. You got to make that dude throw the football. You got to make him play quarterback. And uh, I mean, and, and credit to that guy, he came in, he played well, but just some of some of that QB run game and some of the scramble stuff, I just, I, I just don't know how he was unaccounted for. Like once they made the switch, like you got to flip the switch, right? As a defense, thinking, hey, it's a different plan now with him out there. Like let's. And obviously you want to get pressure on the quarterback, all that stuff. Like it, there's a lot of things that stay the same, but I, I thought there were some moments where it was just like, guys, do you not understand what this guy's strengths are as a player? And I don't know that that was frustrating for me. Yeah. Well, the, the, the quarterback being able to scramble and being able to run highlights one of our biggest weaknesses which is discipline right rush discipline rush lane discipline and tackling discipline leverage on the ball carrier vice tackling between multiple players and you know and it's more difficult when a quarterback's running you know because everyone's you're not sure where everyone's landmarks are like the the integrity of the defense isn't like it is in the running game where everyone's in the tight box and you know where your teammates are going to be. So it's a little more difficult, but you know, what do we, we're going into week 10, the 10th game of the season, right? Is that right? 10th game of the season. I, at some point you just have to start being able to pick up on that stuff without a coach having to explain. And I know they do anyways, but without a coach having to explain every tiny little detail of the game, at some point you've got to start being able to pick up those things on your own. Yeah, no, I hear you. All right, you got anything else about the defense? I feel like I feel like this is about as frustrated as I've seen you. Just the just from the look on your face. Now it may be a, the ESPN.com ads <laughs> that, that really help. set you off, but I. I'm 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 frustrated with the defense and I'm frustrated I'm just as frustrated frustrated with the fan base. You know, I'm I this is just where we are. I no no amount of playing someone who's never played before and firing coaches like that's not going to change anything. It's just I, I don't know. The whole thing is just made me really question my whole existence. And w like, what the hell am I even doing in life? That's what happens to us when OU loses football games. Yeah, that's. I just, I end up looking at it and saying, like, this is just stupid. Like, the whole thing is just stupid. Why do I care this much? Why do I do this? Yeah. Why do I care about these players and this team as much as I do? But it's also what makes it so much fun when they win, man. I know. That's what I have to no. That's what I have to keep reminding myself that we're going through this this season to come out on the other side. I don't know if it'll be next year or the year after, but just got got to keep the faith at this point. 
man, or else you'll end up in a dark place, which is where <laughs> I was at Saturday night. Still right. freezing my ass off. Like, took me forever to warm up. And it had a dark, dark place at the bottle at the bottom of a bottle of red wine. That's where <laughs> I was at. Do not blame you. Anything else defensively? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Let's talk some OU offense against the Mountaineers. It's just just horrible on third and fourth down. I mean, horrible. And you look at the game, it's probably it's probably easiest to start by looking at the key mistakes offensively. First of all, the defense was playing well early. And this is a defense that has, you know, like they were building confidence, right? They were playing spirited. They're flying around. They're getting stops. And you don't reward them. Right. Like, and you just keep sending them back there on the field. Like you're supposed to be the strength of the team. And you, I mean, your defense forces what one punt, two punts, three punts. Here's, I mean, turnover on downs, which was the interception. So punt, 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 fumble. Like, I mean, that's five, five stops. Yep. And you were up three to nothing. If you would have told me, Hey, they're going to get five stops in the game. I would have said, let's go. Sooners win. Yep. They couldn't execute against a bad defense, man. That's a bad defense for West Virginia. And, and I know the conditions were bad, but I, I get it. But when your defense is struggling the way that it's struggling, you have to, you have to go score points. And create momentum for the team in the game and key mistakes. Willis, who I don't, I'm not sure we've said a negative thing about him all season. And I'm not going to say, oh, what a huge error, but he's one yard too far, right? Goes back to the details. That's an uncharacteristic mistake from Braden Willis. You know what? If anyone's going to make that mistake, I can live with number nine making that mistake. But it takes a touchdown off the board. Right. There's also the argument Theo Weiss doesn't even need to block that guy. Just turn and do this and look. Just at turn and do this, and it's not a penalty. It's that simple. And that's I don't know if he decided to do that on his own or if that's coaching, but catch it at or behind the line of scrimmage. It's a touchdown, and instead of kicking a field goal, you get a touchdown. Right. So that's four points. Right. Left on the field. Mims drops another walk-in TD. And I know it was wet. I understand, but you got to catch that football. I mean, those those are the type of plays that change games. But those are the type of plays that give your team energy. You have to make that play. Rain jumps off sides on fourth and one. Now, I will say, I thought there was too much going on in the fourth and one jumbo package. You got all these guys on the field. You're trading. It's like let's let's line up and get a damn yard. I now I get it. Like you, you want to make it challenging on defense, but don't make it so challenging on the defense that you make it challenging on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of the where everyone's sitting there on a hair trigger too, right? Yeah. All of your offensive line, and yeah, I agree. And that takes it to fourth and six. You don't convert there, missed opportunity. 
I just there's some small mistakes, but the 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 main thing offensively is like, and you mentioned it, Ted, when the defense was doing really good things and playing good football, the offense did not reward them. And that goes back to I still don't know. Is it non-complimentary, uncomplimentary football? I don't know what the word is. D complimentary? I have no idea. But that it the offense is the strength of the team. You gotta go score points when your defense is getting those stops, man. You have to, and it just didn't. And that's how you end up. You you let West Virginia hang around, hang around. They make some plays and they beat you. And let's just start with Dylan Gabriel. You know, a very pedestrian stat line. Um, I didn't think he played very well. Now, I know the weather was terrible. I get it. But Garrett Green drug his team to victory. And Dylan Gabriel did not. Right? Garrett Green was the spark for West Virginia. and, And Dylan Gabriel did not do that for Oklahoma's offense. And they really didn't ask him to do a ton in the second half as a passer. And I think it's because he struggled with some of those layer throws in the first half, Ted. Some of the RPO stuff, like Mims is there. I mean, Farouk is there. There's some guys that are open. And he just wasn't able to touch up those throws. He's throwing fastballs. He's bringing the heater. Mm-hmm. When you got to touch it up. And he just he just couldn't connect on those. And I thought, you know, missed some open wide receivers. Thought he also missed some opportunities where he had some chance to take off and run, get some big chunk yardage. He just didn't. But overall, I this is I, I just expect more from him. Maybe that's the best way to put it. I expect I expect him to be a difference maker. And he was just kind of out there, right? I mean, just he did not have the impact on the game that he needs to have. Am I yeah. being too critical? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think like he I don't think he played awful, but it just wasn't I don't know. It didn't it didn't feel like a difference making performance, especially when you compare to what Green was doing for them. It's true. I will say it looks and feels totally different if Mims catches that perfect deep ball. That's what and I'm Brad saying. Willis is a yard behind the line of scrimmage. It feels totally different at that point. Yeah, I agree. So, but you're still right. I mean, there, there. So comes maybe, a maybe I am being a little too critical. And I, that, you're probably right. But guys, also, yeah, that's a, that's a good boy. Guys got to make plays for him, right? Guys got to make plays. They got to do their job as well. So maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little too critical on DG. But I just I just expect a lot from him, right? Because we've yeah. seen the glimpses of what he can be and. At some Ugh. point, the dog's got to come out, right? And, like, you don't have to be perfect, and we don't expect you to be perfect, but, you know, at some point, you've got to figure out a way to make everyone around you better. And a lot of times, that's just by leaving it out on the field. Like, I, I just to go back and remember Baker – like when Baker first started at OU, our offense was not good. Our offensive line was really young and inexperienced. I think we were starting a true freshman and a redshirt freshman. And 
he was running for his life, but he's running for his life out there. He's throwing it. He's getting killed. He's getting drugged to the ground. But like everyone on the team recognizes like that dude is fighting his ass off out there. And you only watch that for a little while before everyone starts to come along. Right. It's not when you see someone doing that, everyone pulls up, picks up their game quite a bit quicker. And I know that's just, he doesn't have the same personality as Baker. I'm just saying like, Sometimes in a game like this, whenever you have opportunities to go win it, that's whenever that dude needs to come out, right? Yeah. No, I hear you. But, yeah, just not enough plays. Not enough plays made in the passing game. Too many missed opportunities. And, you know, I I don't know what it would have looked like if it wasn't for Eric Gray. I know. He was great. He continues – he continues to stream string together really, really nice performances. Dude, I was thinking about this a lot after the game. It's really hard to lose a game when you have a guy rush for 200 yards. Yeah. Like that's like it just as a former offensive lineman, if you're like, hey, you had a guy go for 200 plus and score a couple touchdowns, I would say, how many touchdowns did we win by? How about this? You had a guy go for over 200 yards. You outrushed them. You put up 236 on the ground. They turned it over two times. You turned it over zero, and you lost the game. That's, That's rare. It's not impossible, but it's improbable to be able to pull that off. It's also really, really difficult to have a 200-plus yard rusher and only score 20 points. True. True. It's really, really difficult to do. Unless you're like a triple option team. So that's just, I, I think that just kind of speaks to the lack of big plays in the passing game or any, you know, play plays in the passing game. Right. When you think about it, it was Eric Gray and it was quick, quick screens and speed sweeps. Yeah. That was the offense. I, I So... I, I just Eric Gray was the bright spot, right? Um, he, he was great. I thought he ran with great physicality again. Uh, Javante Barnes had some nice runs coming in there. I thought thought he did a good job. A anything else? So before we get to the wide receivers, you got anything about what you saw from them? I uh well, no, I thought I thought Eric Gray continues to be outstanding, and you know talked about it before the game started the last couple of games his workload had increased a ton and it was no different in this game 25 carries I think he ended up with around or over 30 touches which has to be a high for him as a sooner so yeah I I think he's uh he's a guy that's still getting better week by week and it shows all you have to do is go look at the film and look at the stat sheet the dude's getting better and better. I mean, and, and that's that's the thing. We, you know, whenever you look at the the overall statistics, they ran it for 203 yards, or uh, excuse me, they ran, yeah, they ran for 203 yards compared to our 236, but it took them 53 attempts to get there for a 3.8 average, which defensively is not bad. If you hold someone to, to three uh, a rush, you're doing okay. It's not great, but. 
you know, it's still statistically you're you're shocked that we didn't win the game. Yeah. All right, wide receivers, uh, Marvin Mims, just up and down, man. Up and down. Got the yips. Kind of seems like it's in his head, right? Yep. A couple more big drops. Now he did bounce back and had the nice catch on the scramble drill play, which was a big play in the game. And you could kind of see the emotion come out after that one. But as big as the drop touchdown was, it's like he drops the quick screen. And it's plays like that that are huge plays, like those little plays that make all the difference in the world in a close football game. He drops it. It's second and 10 instead of second and five, and you end up going three and out. Boom, possession over. So, yeah, just um, I I don't know what's going on, but just has not made the big plays that they need him to make. Yeah. And the problem is with the guy that's as good as he is, like now he's like living in his head, like you said, and it just now he's pressing and like – putting too much on himself to make big plays and whenever they happen, you're just, I don't know. It's a, and I think to a certain degree, like what we're seeing with Marvin Mims is indicative of how the whole team is playing right now. Right. You've got a lot of opportunities. You've got, you know, things that are happening. You're just not taking advantage of them. Anxiety level starts to go up, start to press, maybe start to not trust it as much, and just the whole house of cards falls falls apart on you. So hopefully he gets it back. Yeah. Gotta, right? Got two games left. Gotta get a win to go to a bowl game. So they, they need they need Marvin Mims, there's no doubt. Now Jalil Farouk uh, continue to find the find different ways to get him the ball. Uh, I think he's getting he's getting really good at some of those situations like where he's picking up extra yards after making a guy miss. Um, he's been a bright spot. Uh, I think he really has. And I think that next year he's going to be – I mean, he's going to be a dude. But, you know, there's one play that in, in this game where it, you kind of like see is inexperienced, right? It's third and six, little more than 11 minutes ago in the fourth. Uh, Dylan Gabriel throws a deep ball to him. And instead of jumping back into the guy and drawing a PI, he just kind of waits for it. It hits the guy in the helmet, if I remember correctly. When, yeah, when all he's got to do is jump back in there, get a 15 yard penalty, keep the drive alive. Yep. So that's one of those where, you know, that's, he hadn't been in that situation a ton, right? During, you know, in a game, but it's one of those where you're like, hey, if he was a little more experienced, if he'd played some more games, maybe he knows exactly what to do in that situation to draw the flag. But I would love, love to see him catch some more passes in the intermediate passing game. Yeah. With his ability after the catch, if they could just throw him some some curls, some shallow digs, like and just get the ball in his hands, man. Let him go be an athlete. I think that that would be that'd be really beneficial. And there's just, there's just not a lot of that in this offense right now. Very little. In fact, why do you think that is? I don't know. Is it a, 
is it a a limiting factor with Gabriel? I mean, he's he's not the shortest quarterback I've ever seen, but he's not tall. And the intermediate stuff that's usually around the middle of the field is the stuff that's more difficult to see. And if you're just throwing if you're just throwing like bubbles and tunnels and deep balls, like that's not something that you have to read out or really have great vision for. But I don't that's the only thing I could think of. I when when you think of it, I mean, how many passes did Dylan Gabriel even attempt in between the hashes? The drop touchdown to Mims was, I'll say that was in between the hash. A couple of those RPOs that he sailed, mm-hmm. those were in between the hash. But other than that, there was nothing to Willis in the middle of the field unless I'm just forgetting it. Yeah. I mean, it's like that section know. of the field isn't even there, man. I know. It's interesting. I don't, And I don't know why yeah, that I, is. But it's almost like we're watching NBA analytics play out in a football offense. Like, it's either the layups, the short stuff right there, the easy completions or the run game, or you take the you hit the three, you hit the deep ball. I don't know. Yeah. I don't it's interesting. Thought Drake Stoops did a good job per usual, played hard, did a nice job in those speed sweeps, those quicks. You know, when he got the ball in his hands, thought he ran with physicality, did some good stuff. Braden Willis. Thought he battled again. Man, they asked him to do a lot. He had the biggest paint chip I've ever seen on a helmet. I mean, it was like the whole front like panel of the left side of his helmet was just like a black spot. I was like, wait, what where, What happened? But it was – I'd never seen anything like that. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. He, you know, played another great game in the running game. I mean, a big piece of that, Eric Gray, why he's got so many yards is the – the work ethic and the the way he blocks Braden Willis, uh, you know, leading the way on a lot of those plays, you know, th- that's really the the first mistake that I can think of. Like that's a major error for Braden Willis, and I'm not even necessarily sure that that was that that's on him. You know, I I don't know how that's coached, but um, you know, an otherwise typical day for Braden Willis, which is excellent in the, in the blocking game. Yeah, I'm sure he's disappointed in how, you know, that touchdown got called back. But once again, we didn't know, you know, kind of what exactly is being coached in that situation. So if there's one guy I'm willing to forgive for a mistake, it's him because he's been, and we've, we've obviously talked a ton about it. He's been great. Uh, offensive line wise, thought it was okay. Um, Anton Harrison, Thought he was solid and gave up a sack in this game, which is I was trying to think like maybe the first one he's given he's the first one he's given up in a long time. I know that, but it was a good battle between him and Stills at some points. Like it was fun to watch for me. There are a couple couple clips in the run game where Anton Harrison's taking guys out of the screen. Where I was just like, damn, okay, yeah. But thought he was solid. Uh, the left guard position uh, with Matoyer and Conjol. Got in the way like they normally do, right? Not n- no big difference making blocks, but actually, I thought did I thought Conjol did a solid job when he had to bump to center. Uh, I thought he was thought he was solid. Uh, Andrew Rame, it's unfortunate that kind of felt like his kind of looked like his shoulder just stopped working for him. That's yeah. what it looked like because he was. I thought he was playing well early, but 
like his play kept getting worse and worse and he wasn't using that left arm much at all. And I think finally he said, Hey, I just, I mean, this thing's got no strength to it. So, well, that's something to, to monitor moving forward, but he was doing some good things until it looked like he was just basically playing one handed. And that's, that's tough. And I think that shoulder has been bothering him for a while, but I think he just got to a point where, he said, "Hey, I'm, I'm hurting the team out here. So, which it's is, to do. yeah, difficult to to admit that you don't have it and you you just physically can't do it. But yeah, that's that's tough, and that's not an easy team on the interior either. They've got some like that's the the kind of the strength of their of their squad is the couple of guys that they got on the inside. Yeah, Chris Murray." few plays where guys got on his edges but other than that he was fine uh Wanye Morris continues to drive me insane I mean at least he's consistent with that he's consistent with being inconsistent and driving me nuts just yeah. up and down not physical enough absorbs way too many blocks instead of striking um quits playing some plays which drives me insane guy's got all the talent in the world but I mean, I've just kind of given up on him flipping the switch there, but it wasn't awful along the offensive line. It really wasn't. I mean, you had a guy rush for over 200 yards. I thought protection was okay. Right. You know, a couple where, you know, DG, you know, felt the pressure a little bit and I think that affected some throws, but no, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't, it wasn't awful either. Um, I feel like I just sound defeated, man. That's how I feel. That's how I feel like I'm sounding right now, and it makes me sad. Yeah. Well, I I feel the same way, um, and I know the team feels the same way. It's it's tough, you know, and it it feels it feels draining, even whenever you're not out there. I. It, it just imagine going through the grind of a week of practice playing in maybe the worst weather game that you could possibly have coming up short at the end, you know, yet again, like that's, that's where it gets really defeating. So I don't know. I, I hope those guys stay up. I hope they continue to battle. I hope guys, you know, try to dial in and listen to coaching and, and try to, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you at at this point in the season start to play with more discipline and start to limit like massive mistakes. Like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how you do that. I mean, there's really nothing you can do as a, as a coach or as a, as a staff, as a, as a team, like at some point it's up to individual guys to start, locking in focusing on what they're supposed to do like it's preparation in, in my opinion but i there's only so much that your coach can do for you the end of the day the preparation it's not up to him it's up to you so i don't know that th- at this point in the season you see a flip switch but uh, or a switch flip but i don't i don't know 
I just like to see him play with a little more emotion, man. And I know that it's something that you and I have talked about, right? Where it's just like, they're going out there and it's like, and I know losing sucks and it like, it takes it out of you. I get it. But I mean, the coaches are, I mean, the coaches are celebrating more than the players. Like the coaches are, I'm down there on the sideline. Those guys are getting after it, man. Like DeMarco is out there. I mean, coaching his ass off. BV's out there coaching his ass off. It's like, you just don't see a lot of emotion from the players. And my hope is it's like they haven't lost all of that confidence, lost the joy of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's understandable if they have. It's No, I get it. But, man, it's, it's just – yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, man, but he, here's the thing. No one gives a shit, right? Nobody cares. Nobody cares about how hard it's been. Nobody cares about how close some of these games have been and a play here or a play there. Nobody cares. Oklahoma State's going to try and come in and beat your ass. Texas Tech is going to try and do exactly what Joey McGuire said during the offseason. We're going to beat Oklahoma on the last game of the year, and we're going to celebrate by knocking down the south end zone and building a new facility. Nobody gives a shit about how you feel about your season. I mean, it's just – it's how it is. It marches on, and you better prepare. And if you don't, the result is going to look the same. That's how you win it. You got to win it during the week in preparation. That's no easy way. And no one cares that it's a bad Oklahoma team. They're going to remember they beat Oklahoma. That's it. That's it. That's it's like right. those those West we Virginia fans. West Virginia, yeah. They're you say, hey, we were there when West Virginia beat Oklahoma for the first time since they joined the Big Twelve. They're not going to mention it was a bad Oklahoma team. It's still, I mean, whether, e- even though you're five and five, like teams are still getting up when they're playing OU. Like, it's just, especially like they've. It's going to get worse. It's not they, going, it, people aren't going to start to relax. They're going to, it's, there's sharks, there's blood in the water. The vulnerability is very exciting to the opponent. Yep. And it's like you're playing. Someone's playing the wounded animal call out in the woods, right? Bringing <laughs> out the predators. <laughs> uh, the last thing I will say, and I was really, really hoping I never saw it in person, but the country roads thing after they win—it's really cool. Yeah. Do they do it after they lose too, though? Don't they? No, I don't think so. I think that's a win only situation. Maybe they really? do, but all I know is that it, if they do it, I don't remember them doing it after you OU's beating right. them. I in think the past. you're right now that I, because Toby said this is the first time we've heard this song. And I thought he was saying of the like of the day, but no, that's, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I stood out there on the field for a little bit and like just listened and watched. And I was like, I really wish I wasn't watching this right now. Hey, and I'll credit those fans. Uh, as miserable as that was to play in, it's worse to just stand and sit in. 
So I feel like those people have the proper gear though. You know, it's like, there's a, I'll say this. There are a lot of shirtless people in their student section. I saw and they look well. unaffected. <laughs> Pretty impressive. I think that's what the moonshine does. Keeps the insides warm. Keeps you nice and warm. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys your number one takeaway from OU's loss to West Virginia. Uh, this one comes from at big underscore old boomer. Big old boomer says, this is rock bottom, right? This feels like rock bottom. I still have faith in the staff, but very concerned about the recruiting class staying together. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to – I don't know how that affects recruiting. I, I think rock bottom would be losing the last two and not going to a bowl game. That would be rock bottom, right? Yeah. So this is rock bottom for now. Rock bottom for now. Yeah. Yes, correct. I, I, I don't know how – the like from what I've witnessed previously, the recruiting thing isn't nearly – as affected by a team's record as you would think it, for the the class for that year, but it can be for the class of next year. If that makes sense, that's how it's been explained to me previously. Now, maybe that is, there's gotta be a point though, right? To where it's like, Oh boy, are we making the, the right decision? And especially if you've got a first year head coach, you know, that, that, that gives you maybe some reason to second guess or I don't know. Hopefully that recruiting class stays together. And, you know, I, I, I've always said that I recognize that recruiting is the lifeblood of a program, but I don't care about recruits. I care about guys that do their job and guys that play with discipline and toughness and physicality and are in the place that they're supposed to be on every single play. And it doesn't take a five-star player to do that. Right? When a five-star player does that, you got a dude on your hands, right? You got an NFL player on your hands, but you can get any number of guys to do that. And at, at the very core of what we have to have is we've got to have a, a locker room full of guys that are trustworthy that are dependable, that are tough, and that are physical. That's it. Now, if that comes through recruiting and and getting a bunch of highly rated guys, fine. I don't care if they're two, three stars. It doesn't matter. you got to have guys in the right place. Yeah. This last one comes from Josh Stafford. He said his number one takeaway was total inability to seize an opportunity. Defense is playing well and offense can't produce. Offense finally does something and special teams abandons assignments and defense can't capitalize. It's like there's no killer instinct in any of the three phases. Yep. That's that's it. Non-complimentary football or uncomplimentary football. Is that still don't Still don't know which one it is, but whatever Josh just laid out there is either non-complimentary or uncomplimentary, one or the other. Is that our next Oklahoma Breakdown t-shirt? Non-complimentary football. Uncomplimentary. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm sad. My emotional well-being is too closely tied to this football program. 
that's where I'm at. I apologize for nothing though. Yep. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I don't know there's a lot of a lot of people out there feeling the pain we're feeling. Let's just keep on keeping on, OU fans. Yep. We've got we've got a very short time before we better keep on really well or we're gonna lose at home to Oklahoma State. So let's start keeping on in a very disciplined and detailed manner. Gonna have Agreed. To- All right, birthday shout-outs time. Uh, Welcome to the world, Meyer Paul Mendenhall. Happy fifth birthday to Landon Mattingly. Happy seventh birthday to Elliot Rose Robinson. Happy twelfth birthday to Emily Coleman. Happy twelfth birthday to Allison Wilkerson. Happy 25th birthday to Davian Wilson. Happy 43rd birthday to Daniel Fat Dog Anderson. (laughs) Happy 48th birthday to Chastity Jones. Happy 52nd birthday to Vincent Chico Garcia. Happy 52nd birthday to Jonathan Stuckey. And happy 58th birthday to Don Johnson. All right, let's recap. Some of the best games of week 11 in college football. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. I thought about not singing it just because I'm sad. <laughs> you know, I just like no, not in the singing mood, but it's okay because that coffee is fantastic. Yeah. Loves all says you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in better self-comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED. For 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. As a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. Week 11 in college football. Had some interesting games. Let's start with Alabama Ole Miss. Alabama goes to Oxford and gets it done 30-24. to We both were very interested to see what Alabama looked like when they were playing without a chance to go play for a national title fell down early, right? Got gotten a 10 0 hole. Ole Miss's offense was really moving the ball. 
Bam had made a few mistakes, including I don't know what happened with that snap on the fourth and one. It was bizarre, but it ends up, you know, resulting in an old miss touchdown drive. You were looking at this game. It's 17 to 7. You're like, Ole Miss is in full control, but that I thought I thought Bama showed some grit, man. Mm-hmm. Show what they were made of a little bit. Battled back, ended up getting a win. That's pretty it's pretty impressive considering all the circumstances. I know they got better players than everyone. I get it. But still, think it think it showed what the program's about. I was impressed. Yeah. No, they they've they've uh they've had a brutal schedule. They what that's their third top ten team that they've had to play on the road this season. That's not easy to do, especially whenever it's Alabama coming to town and everyone is just geared up and amped up like crazy for the thought of knocking off Alabama. Um that was impressive. Got the uh the stop they needed. They're throwing into the end zone at the end there, you know, and Guy makes a great play on fourth down, bats the ball away. But you're right, that was a it was a tough game. They went down, but man, it was physical. They Ooh. you see that hit? They jarred the ball loose loose from Zach Evans, who's yeah, absolute stud running back. Like that that was a that was a bone crunching football game. But uh, impressive for Alabama to go in there and pull it off. And you know, Nick Saban has said. A lot of really interesting things talking about this team and I I I think there's some it's obviously they're in a different position than Oklahoma is, but I I think I, to see him kind of turn into a uh a little bit more of a motivator and you know he, he's talking about we need to we need to figure out a way to to work on building on our strengths and building on the good things that we've done and not tearing everything down and focusing on all all of the mistakes and he's talking about like that's both coaches, players, fans, everyone involved and I don't know it just kind of it's rare to see him talk like that it just kind of hit home with what we're going through. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you and it helps to have Bryce Young. I know that. Yep. He now he's not going to win the Heisman again. But dude, I don't know if there's anyone in college football like that is as poised as he is. It's like there's just all kinds of shit happening around him, and he just gets out of it, finds a little space, makes you just throws a dart down the field. Uh, I mean, his ability to get out of trouble extend plays with his legs and, and then deliver accurate throws. <laughs> it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Did you see that face mask? The worst face mask I've ever seen. Uh, hey, if you're going to get 15 yards, you might as well just go ahead and try and decapitate the guy. I I love Jackson Dart's reaction. He was almost just like, wait, what, what just happened? <laughs> that was wild. Guy's got a very flexible neck. He impressive does. he does i mean dallas turner it, <laughs> i half expected there to be a helmet or a head in that helmet <laughs> i know it i know it yeah that, that was, was brutal wild. but it's good game though really good game yeah, yeah i mean you mentioned came down to the last drive for old miss and remember Jud, judkins that guy's a stud by the way true freshman yeah. i mean he ripped off some big runs but bama 
buckles down, gets to stop in the red zone. So Lane Kiffin, not happy, <laughs> not a happy camper after that one, but, but a nice win for Alabama. The next game, uh, did not see this coming. Nope. Kansas state goes to Waco and beats the absolute hell out of Baylor 31 to three. And this was, there's really no other way to put it. this was an absolute thorough ass kicking. And K-State was impressive, uh, dominant, in fact. I mean, 100 yards more on offense, less penalties, won the turnover battle. Like, any anything you could think of that helps to win on the road, they did it, man. They were, they were spectacular. And, Ted, I think it's finally – I think it's officially time. We I, we have yeah. to issue our official Will Howard apology. No. He's awesome. I know. I mean, came in and just lit it up. I mean, Adrian Martinez got banged up early. And Will Howard comes in and all he does is ball out once again. 19 for 27, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Dude was just throwing darts to Ben Sennett there. I mean, they they had no answer for Ben Sennett there in the middle of the field, a tight end for case. It was, Will Howard just came to the game and picked him apart. <laughs> he looks incredible. I know. I, I don't, I cannot figure Kansas State out. I don't know how they didn't do the same thing to Texas. Because they didn't play Will Howard. That's how. I know. I know. It's... If they play Will Howard, I 100% believe they win that game now. And with what I've said about Will Howard over the last year and a half or so, I understand that I've been quite the hypocrite, but listen, my <laughs> eyes don't lie to me. The guy is balling and it should not even be close for Chris Kleiman, who he plays at quarterback moving forward. Will Howard has been lights out, lights out. Yep. I, I agree. It, I don't know. I, 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 I felt like Kansas state could go beat Baylor. But I thought Baylor was was heating up at the right time, and uh, you know it was, it was going to be difficult. But it's not shocking that Kansas State could do it. That final score is shocking, but it just makes the game against Texas. I, I just I still can't wrap my head around that. I just I still don't think Texas is very good. But you know, I what can you say? Just play Will Howard the rest of the way. Um, if you're Chris Kleiman, that it's. It's pretty easy at this point. Yeah, and one thing, the K-State defense that I expected to show up against Texas showed up in this game. I mean, critical interception early in the game, around the goal line, you know, they picked Shapen off. They didn't allow, remember, they allowed chunk run after chunk run after chunk run against Texas. Well, Baylor came at them with the stretch, and they shut it down. Longest run of the day for Baylor, 14 yards. I mean, they did a great job of getting off the field. Yep. Baylor 0 for 3 on fourth downs. Remember how critical Baylor converting on fourth down was when they beat Oklahoma? I mean, Shapin was – I. he just – he's been unimpressive this year for me. I, I thought that he was going to be a difference maker for them, and he's just – he's just a guy at this point. But yep. – 
got the ball. I mean, Will Howard did a good job getting Deuce Vaughn the ball in space. He made some guys just look so silly <laughs> in one-on-one one-on-one situations in space. Uh, what's new? That's what Deuce Vaughn does. But ultimately, man, that was that was one of the most impressive performances we've seen this year in the Big 12. That yeah. was a thorough whooping. You think Kansas State wins out and plays in the Big 12 I championship? Do. I think they'll play Will Howard at quarterback. I think they'll smack West Virginia. And I think they'll smack Kansas. I think that correct me if I'm wrong but I think if that happens there will have been a different a new different team every single year in the Big 12 championship since it's been reinstated parody baby the league of parody what was the first year was it 16 Sounds right. We played TCU the first year. We played, was it? I don't remember, but I feel like it's I was been, about to say, you're setting yourself up for a very difficult memory exercise right there, bud. Well, we've played Iowa State. We've played Texas. We've played Baylor. Last year, Oklahoma State made it. Yeah. TCU made it one year. Um Kansas State has a chance to make it this year. That would be a new one. I'm trying to think who else would have been in. But it's I think it's been someone new every single year. It's wild. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool when you think of it that way. But, yeah, they got West Virginia and Kansas left, and it's pretty simple for Kansas State at this point. Win, and you go play for a Big 12 title. Yep. And that was – they got a lot of momentum, man. That was That was impressive. All right, last game. <laughs> this one, the defensive struggle we all anticipated. TCU goes to Austin and knocks off Texas 17 to 10. Now, you, you and I, we thought it could be a little more defensive than some people thought. But I did not see 17 to 10 coming. Nope. At all. And I I, I certainly certainly didn't see three to nothing at halftime coming. Right. Well, and here's the other thing is that I know the final score is 17 to 10, but the Texas got handed a, a touchdown really late in the game. Um, like they couldn't do anything offensively at all the entire game, period. Nothing. Well, Texas did not score an offensive touchdown in the game. Yeah. And. A lot of people wanted to talk about how TCU's defense, you know, they weren't that good, bend but don't break. Well, when they were on the big stage under the bright lights, they put together a fantastic performance. Yep. I mean, to hold to hold that Texas offense to zero touchdowns, that's impressive. They held B. John Robinson to 29 yards rushing. Eliminated him from the game. Yeah, eliminated him, made him so effective, so ineffective that Sark just stopped calling runs. Yeah, well, and that's the key. Like if 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 you're going to beat a team like Texas, that is, they've got maybe the best running back in the country, and they've got a freshman quarterback who's really struggled at times. 
you eliminate you do everything you can to eliminate that run game and put it on the arm of the youngster and that's what TCU did uh, they did it and in this week's edition of is Quinn Ewers good <laughs> uh, this week's answer is no he was good last week he's bad again i and and i know there were some drops right there were some bad drops from his wide receivers but Man, he continues to just miss so many throws. I mean, so many throws. And I I know that the running game wasn't getting going. But to give Bijan, what, like 12 carries and to have Ewers throw it 39 times, it's just not a winning formula, man. It's not. Nope. nope. I mean, Sark's got to... He's got to question his play calling decisions more than he's probably questioned that suit he wore before the game. I, I mean, what that. was that? I didn't see it. What it looked like, like a burnt uh, orange suit or something. It it's impossible to describe. You just gotta you gotta search it on Twitter, okay. and and you gotta do it now because I need to see your reaction uh, to what God. this man was wearing. Now, hey, maybe some people say it's called fashion, honey, and that I I'm not saying it was a cheat suit. I'm just. I just don't know what the what the goal was walking into the game wearing that, but uh no that Yeah, you saw it. There to, there's the reaction. The YouTube people are gonna love that. It's real too. Double check. It's not photoshopped, that's real. That's a uh I I don't know. I feel like it's a I don't know. <laughs> Almost like a soccer European. I, I don't even know where to where that comes from. I've never seen anything like that. That's I, wild. I know one thing wasn't cheap, but I did he think he was pulling that off? I don't know. Was That's he pulling it off? Am I the one? Was he? Am I just? Am I thinking he wasn't? I don't know. All all I know is this is whenever it really pays to have people around you that are not scared to tell you the truth, right? Instead of like, yeah, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, yeah, you should wear that. You should be like, no, dude, you can't. Come on, man. You can't wear that. I Go go, go conservative on this deal. This is not the time. I will gladly, for a fee, become Steve Sarkeesian's stylist. For a handsome fee, <laughs> I will pick out his clothes for him. I don't know. I, I, I guarantee I can make him look good. I prefer he look like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, I, I mean, just other things from that game. I, and I, I do want to give the Texas defense credit. Like, I thought they played really well. Mm-hmm. That first half, like, Texas's offense was putting them in bad situations. And... Texas defense just kept racking up TFLs and like negative yardage plays. Max Duggan was under siege. Yeah. I, I mean, he was taking hit after hit back there in the pocket. And I mean, really, other than the Kendra Miller 75 yard touchdown run in the third quarter, and then just Quentin Johnson got the old uh, Jalen Hyatt treatment on the one on the one play, just completely uncovered for a touchdown. Like, other than those two mistakes, I, I 
and those are huge mistakes, obviously, but I thought Texas defense played well enough to win the game. If you would have told Steve Sarkeesian or anybody on that Texas team, any Texas fan, hey, you're going to hold them to 17, you would have said, hell yes, where's the party at after the game? But no the well, offense let them down, man. Offense I, let them I, down. I thought it was, you know, the game is pretty much over. You know, they're, Chris Fowler's in his, like, big monologue talking about college football and where do we go from here and all of that. And then Max Duggan on that exchange puts it on the ground, tries to dive on it, squirts out, and Texas scoops and scores. And it's like, okay, we got ourselves a football game here. And, you know, the defense is right back out there, and they do a pretty good job. They force, what was it, a a third and four, or maybe a third and six. And I thought it was the best play of the day that I saw. I didn't see every single snap, but Max Duggan bangs a slant in there to Quentin Johnston, who is covered really tightly, and he makes a real physical catch and pulls it down for the first down. And like that's why it pays to have six foot four, six foot five wide receivers and quarterback and just pound it in there and let those guys go make those plays. That was impressive. Yeah. And there was a huge roughing the punter penalty, right? That extended the drive where Johnston caught the wide open touchdown. So that one clearly special teams mistake and there was a huge play in the game. And then the offense just and they got manhandled by that TCU defense. I'll tell you, man, that it's a physical group now. Yeah, they're they're up front, man. They are they play that three man front, but it's hard to move those guys off the football. Um, they do a, they do a really good job. They're they're tough, and they play them. Sometimes they they kind of squeeze them in a little bit tighter, and it's just it's hard to push them out of the way, man. They do a, they do a really good job. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. It's football time in Oklahoma, people, and there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for tailgating either. They're perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is out. They got some new flavors and a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I had to go with UConn. UConn gets the win. Uh, They beat a, a tough Liberty team that just went in and beat Arkansas. UConn gets the win. UConn is now bowl 
eligible. It's been a long time since UConn has been to a bowl game. I don't know the last one is. Heck, it may have been the Fiesta Bowl when they played Oklahoma, but I'm not sure. Um, Here's what I think is interesting. All of the um, basketball schools that are bowl eligible before Oklahoma is. UConn, Duke, Syracuse, North Carolina, UCLA, um, Kentucky. Anyone else I'm missing? Uh, you're missing a, yeah, I was about to say you're Kansas. missing a big one. <laughs> Kansas. I have it written down here, but I couldn't. Uh, it, the writing wasn't very good. Um, that's crazy, right? Bunch of basketball schools going bowling. UConn won one game last year. And the Jim Mora hiring was widely mocked. And turns out it was a hell of a hire. Yeah. Yeah. He's done a good job. They are, um, I don't know. I can't believe UConn's bowl eligible before OU. Like, that makes me. They're bowl eligible. And this is a place that the university president was saying out loud that they're going to cancel the football program, <laughs> right? That Like, we're done with it. We're canceling the football program, and somehow it's still around, and they're going to a bowl game, which I was happy to see those guys going crazy out there and 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 get that win and, and be able to experience that for the first time. That's really cool. Don't know yeah. a whole lot about what UConn's done, but I'm guessing – some transfer portal uh, heavy uh, recruiting going on there to to make that quick of a turnaround. First bowl game since 2015. So it hasn't been, been that, that long, long but they won one game last year. Yeah. And, and we're thought, thinking about getting rid of the football program. Well, they won one last year. They It's been like that for several years. Like, it, was, it was bad. Yeah, just think, like, what we're going through this year, like, that's how Orlovsky has felt for the last, like, seven. Ever, yeah. That's crazy. <sighs> Congrats, UConn. I'm very happy for you. Damn it. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, everyone may notice that I left a basketball school out that is bowl eligible. Didn't mention it because... They've actually turned the program around playing good football. But Kentucky loses to Vanderbilt, breaking Vanderbilt's 26-game conference losing streak. Wow. That is – that's what you call a bad loss. Now, some of it – that streak was going to end eventually, right? Like, it, it had to end eventually – they can't beat themselves. You know, they're, they're, there's no freebie when you're the, the low man on the totem pole. Did you see how that game ended? No. Like, it was like 30-ish seconds left, left, the touchdown to win it. I mean, it was pretty it was pretty exciting. But is Will Levis really going to get picked that high in the NFL draft? That guy stinks. No, I don't know. I was looking at a... Maybe stinks is strong. Like I know, I get he's got the physical characteristics, but man, he he has some games where he just plays some bad ball. 
I saw this list. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was like CBS or something, but they had the top 100 prospects going into next year's draft. And you had like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud were up there. Then I think you had maybe a D lineman or two. Will Levis was like the number four or five NFL prospect on that list. And by the way, um, Anton Harrison was number 25 on that list. Yeah. So he, we, we've talked about it. you enjoy the last couple of games, of Anton's OU career. Yep. I, now I don't know. I haven't, he hadn't told me anything. I'm an ass, but stands to reason. Yeah. So we, uh, I just still can't believe UConn's bowl eligible before OU. <laughs> that like hurts my soul, man. Like once you said it, I was just like, oh, that one hurt. That like that cut deep. Need a second and to read. Started it. off three and zero oh, too. Oh, thanks, Ted. That makes ago. me feel even better. Awesome. That was a long time ago. Oh, remember when they beat Nebraska and we were like, Rip Vittables is amazing. This Here team is go, awesome. Baby. Yep. Could we make the college football playoff? <sighs> Those were the days. Frustrating. Frustrating. And here's the thing, though, like, not to go back into this, but, and I know nobody really cares. And you just, this team, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, and pretty much like the, the TCU and Texas games, like those are like we weren't going to win those games with the way that the, the the circumstances unfolded. But Kansas State, Baylor, West Virginia, like those games are all totally winnable if you don't just shoot yourself. Like it's all Oklahoma. Credit to those teams, but those games are all on us. Well, awesome. Let's get to my winner and loser of the weekend. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. That that was that was so much more fun when OU was winning games. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, 
are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the ending of the Vikings-Bills game. That was, I mean, you talk about wildly entertaining. Uh, I mean, Bills get the stop on fourth and goal from like the half-yard line. They try to sneak it with Kirk Cousins, stuff him. And the only reason they were down there was because Justin Jefferson had the, I don't think this is hyperbolic. I think that's the best catch I've ever seen. Like to go up and one hand it it. on fourth and well, you look it up on Twitter right now. If you haven't seen it, do it. Okay. Because the Notre Dame catch, by the way, it it's better. I mean, it was fourth and 18 game was on the line, like gotta have it. And it's in the defensive back's hands, and he's got one hand on it, and he rips it away one-handed. Like, it was insane, dude. And that extends the drive, and now they end up getting stuffed. But, okay, you watch it. What would you think? I'm watching now. I'm I'm seeing it in slow-mo. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. He just, like, cups it and pulls it down through his hands. Who's that DB? Just go grab the football, man. It's right there. I saw some people saying, it's fourth down, knock it down. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Jefferson. That was, that's that that's was impressive. That was but sick. they end up getting stuffed. It, so the Bills get the ball at the half-yard line, right? They're running QB sneak. Josh Allen fumbles the snap. It ends up in the end zone. Vikings fall on it. Touchdown. Brutal. And it was... It was one of those where you're just like, what just happened? <laughs> and then, of course, Josh out like three or four plays. They go right down the field, kick it, kick a field goal to send it in overtime. And then Vikings win it with the field goal in overtime. Wow. So Vikings defense ends up getting the stop they need. But that was just a – it was an insane – like Scott Hansen was losing it on red zone, man. It was awesome. Oh, I, I can imagine. I bet yeah, that would have been uh, – I wish I would have seen that unfold. In real time, I was watching some bad endings to some other games for fantasy stuff, but awesome. uh, that was that's cool. And credit Josh Allen, who they didn't even think he weren't even sure if he was going to play or not, just goes out there, no big deal, and uh, ripping it all over the yard. Yeah, but my winner of the weekend, and it's because they brought me some sports joy on Sunday that was desperately needed. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, that I needed to watch one of my squads win. And luckily the Thunder went to Madison Square Garden and put up 145 on wow. the New York Knicks. And it brought it brought joy back into my life. I, I needed it. I needed it bad, man. Yeah, well, it'll do you some good to see a team go out there and just pour in the offense. That's that's something that was uh, definitely good for the soul, I imagine. Yeah. Defense was optional in the entire the, the entire game. It was just 145-135. There was not a lot of defense being played, but Thunder shot the lights out of the ball. 17-31 from three. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I'll tell you right now, if he doesn't make the All-Star game, we riot. Uh, just another like 35 or 38-5-8. and eight. Wow. I mean, he balled out. Efficient, it, too. Yeah. Yeah, 22 shots. It's not like he's shooting a ton of shots. He's being super selective with the threes he shoots. Like, he's just – he's playing awesome basketball. Um, And it was really good seeing Josh Giddy play as well as he did. Uh, One thing that stood out to me, his three-pointers had been spinning, like, sideways 
Like they'd had size spin, and today they look nice. End over end, like you want to see a basketball spin. Like you want to yep. see the rotation, which he hit, I think, two or three, but apparently he just loves playing at Madison Square Garden because 24, 10, and 12 for Giddy. And how about this stat? He is one of two players ever to record triple doubles during their first two games at Madison Square Garden. Josh Giddy, Wilt Chamberlain. How about that wow. list? When it's just you and Wilt Chamberlain on a list, it it's probably pretty damn good. That's crazy. Yeah, that's uh that's impressive. Wow. How about that? Two triple doubles in his first two appearances there. That's awesome. Yeah, but I just I want to thank the Thunder. <laughs> needed that, needed. man. I needed, needed it bad. It. I needed it bad on a Sunday where I was I was contemplating starting to drink at noon. I didn't do it though, Ted. <laughs> thought about it though. It was sad. All right, my loser of the weekend. I thought about going with Chicago Bears fans, man. Oh, felt like the Bears were in complete control against the Lions. Justin Fields was looking good, making plays with his legs. It was efficient Last, what, passing four or game. Five games, he's gotten way better. Yeah, I mean, they're they're probably still really excited about Fields. There's you you absolutely have to be, but he throws the pick six that kind of swings the momentum in the game. And then Ch- Chicago's defense just late. They could not get the stops that they needed. And they end up losing uh, 31 and 31 to 30 at home to the old Detroit Lions. It was it was exciting watching the Lions win the it, win a game like that, though, man. I was I was pumped for Dan Campbell. Oh yeah. It's he is uh when you see him when the camera pans to him when they're winning, it's it's awesome. That's uh that's great. Yeah, Justin Fields, man, he's starting to come along and takes a little bit of time. Look at Tua. Everyone wanted to kick Tua out of the league, and that dude is smashing right now. What, they're 7-3, 6-3, 7-3, seven six, six Dolphins? I still the, – the Justin Fields and the Dolphins thing, he didn't take the coaching. I told him to stop <laughs> scrambling. The, the Mike McDaniel clip, that's still one of my favorite moments of the NFL this year. But you're right, man. Tua Tungvaluwa is – He's good. Yeah. but And I think it says a lot about Mike McDaniel, not only the the offense he's running, but just the confidence he's he's gotten. Like, Tua's got his confidence back. He's playing. And I know yeah. he had the whole concussion thing, and that was super yeah. scary, but, like, he's he's in complete control of that offense. He's just running the show. It's They're, they're fun as hell to watch offensively. Well, that's, that's what I was about to say is they're fun to watch, but – it looks like they and you know they're winning, which obviously helps. But those guys are all having a lot of fun. Like they're all laughs and giggles on the sideline. You know, receivers, running backs, Tua, McDaniel's always laughing and smiling. It's it looks like I mean it's they got something good going right now for sure. Yeah, uh, he was twenty five of thirty two for three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Yeah, pretty good. That'll that'll work. But my loser of the weekend, the Pac-12 conference. Oof. We talked about how good a shape they were in. They had three teams, USC, UCLA, Oregon, all in really good spots to go and play in the college football playoff, depending on how things shook out. Apparently, Arizona and Washington did not get the memo <laughs> because – Arizona went to the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA, and Washington went to Otson and beat Oregon. 
And looking at that Oregon game, man, Ducks had a seven-point lead with just under four minutes to go. Michael Pinnock said, you know what? Let's keep ripping it down the field. He was throwing it all over the yard in this game. Rips a 62-yard touchdown pass. Great Dude, he looks great. I know. It's wild. I was watching the highlights, and I was like, who is this dude? It's just – it looks incredible. But – Ty Thompson had to come in, which was that that was just a bad deal for Bo Nix. It looked like it was something wrong with his leg or something like that. And he was banged up, but I guess he w- could have come back in for that fourth and one play. What was that whole thing? I don't know. I, I don't know. I just saw like the highlights and they weren't showing much of that. They just showed him like run up to the coach and like it didn't give you much context of like how quickly they could have gotten him in or was the play already out there? They're about to break the huddle. I don't know, but that was weird because yeah, I, it didn't go well when he wasn't in there. Yeah. The running back just falls down. I don't, even if he doesn't slip. Right. And I think that was yeah. the Whittington kid. Even if he doesn't slip, it's that's a TFL, yep. <laughs> but it was that I, I didn't necessarily have that big of an issue with the call for landing to go there in fourth and one did not love the play call, but I mean, sometimes it happens like that, and Washington ends up kicking a game-winning field goal. Well, Oregon still had the chance, and what do you think? The illegal touching? I, I I thought it was a bad call. but So again, did I. I just saw the highlights. Like, right? it's not like he ran three yards out of bounds. Like, he barely got – now, he did get contacted. And but he, he got any reestablished. I couldn't believe Dan Lanning wasn't losing it on the sideline. I know. I, I don't – I would have liked to have heard the explanation in real time or I don't even know. Did they review it? I don't even know what, how exactly that went down, but yeah, that was a bad call. At least that's my interpretation from what I've seen of it. Yeah. But Oregon's defense just gave up entirely, entirely too many big plays uh, to Washington, especially in the past game. But yeah, that's a rough loss. And then Arizona's quarterback, Full disclosure, haven't lost a lot of Arizona, but their little QB, Jaden Delora, dude was, I mean, he was slinging it. He was running around everywhere. I, it was, it was fun to watch. I watched the end of the game. I was like, oh my gosh, look at they've this kinda, guy. Yeah. They've kind of come out of nowhere. They almost beat USC. Yeah. And, you know, they've been putting up some numbers and caught UCLA slipping a little bit. UCLA throwing into the end zone there at the end of it. Our dude Bobo almost came up with that that pass from Dorian Thompson Robinson, but crazy. Not a good weekend for the Pac-12. Yeah. So now you've got USC at nine and one because you know they got off to a bit of a slow start on Friday night, but ended up taking care of business against Colorado. But they lost Travis Dye for the year. Yeah, that was big. Lost their big their best running back. Lost him. And so you've got that. You've got USC, and let's give Lincoln Riley some credit, man. It's a hell of a job in year one by that staff. Hell of a job to be 9-1 and and sitting where they're sitting. That's it's really, really impressive. Really, really impressive. But they're the the only hope for the Pac-12 now. The only hope because all the other teams, right, Oregon, Utah, UCLA, Washington, they're all 8-2. And a two-loss Pac-12 champ is not going to the college football playoff. It's just not going to happen. No. no. And 
and all USC has left is UCLA, Notre Dame, and then a Pac-12 championship game. What could go wrong? What could go wrong for the Pac-12 in this scenario? What do the standings look like now? Is it still? Is it going to be between? It, it's still probably going to be Oregon, right? Because Oregon only has the one conference loss. Right now, the Pac-12 standings. Oregon is they they will play Utah on Saturday for possess like sole possession of second place, I believe. Right, and USC plays UCLA, right? Yeah. So, gotcha. and then if all those teams, like let's say Utah beats Oregon and UCLA beats USC, then they'll all be tied at seven and two. <laughs> Which, but a tiebreaker. Uh, yeah, then it's uh, probably like your record against the group, and but they remember they they got rid of well, division, it, so it's it, the top it, two. I think it probably will go to overall record, so that Notre Dame game is going to impact it as well with USC late. Oh, absolutely. So, Pac-12 was in a great spot, man. If everyone took care of business, but Arizona and Washington said we do not care about us having a team at the college football playoff. We're here to win games on the road. That's impressive, man. And yep. now, now the old Trojans, the only hope for the Pac-12. We'll see. Uh, they got a chance at it. I don't think I mean, they've got a tough road left, but I don't think any team that they play is necessarily unbeatable. Now, Caleb Williams is, you know, he – He's he started to struggle here in the last couple of weeks. His numbers, like he's still he's still doing good things. Don't get me wrong, but it looks like just like completion percentage and stuff for him has become far more difficult than it was previously. And you know that's typically how things work. It gets it gets more difficult as the season rolls on. But um, I don't know. They they got a shot at it for sure. Episode two sixty six. In the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Man.